0: As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing this morning? I always enjoy getting to spend this time with you as we get together. Uh, somebody this week shared a piece of humor with me, one of the prisoners I wanted to share with you. It's a, it's a conversation between Pontius Pilate and Joseph of Arimathea. Now, Joseph, uh, you, he, he's one that you'll probably recognize here because he was a Pharisee who offered his burial tomb as a place for Jesus to be laid after he was crucified. And uh, so Pilate's sort of thinking about that, like, what, what made you do that? And so Pilate asked Joseph this question. He says, Joseph, I really don't understand. You're one of the richest men in the region, and you've spent a small fortune on a new tomb. And your family it's for you and your family and you want to give it to this man Jesus and Joseph's reply is well it's only for the weekend <laughs> Isn't that neat I, I love to see you smile love to see you laugh we need more of that in our world today we got a lot to smile about a lot to laugh because we're the children's father we're the father of you know we're the children of our Heavenly Father and he wants us to laugh and to smile. Well, today's, all three of today's readings are very interesting. Um, if you put it, if you sort of look at them as a whole, what you do is you get two pictures or two images of religious leaders. Religious leaders, one on one end of the spectrum and another on the other end of the spectrum. Very different, same, same calling, same, same work that they have to do that is to care and to nurture and help the people of God to grow and develop in their faith and love for God and their faith and love for others, that's important but uh, they do it in very different ways and Jesus observed this we know this from studying the scriptures that uh, it wasn't unusual at all it says he, he's sitting back and watching, he, he's observing the Pharisees and the priests to see how they're dealing with the people, and he also had some pretty uh, interesting encounters. I'd say maybe what you would call them intense encounters with the Pharisees, because they were always trying to discredit him, and because uh, they didn't like the fact that he was taking their power base away from them. So it's like we got to do something about this guy. He's not—he's not one of our friends, that's for sure. But uh, he was—he was always watching them, and anybody. Had a reason to. Anybody that had the credibility to do that was Jesus. Why? Well, being the son of God, these rep, these priests, these religious leaders represented him. They were his representatives. So he knew what they should be doing, and he so he had a he had a unique perspective that most of us most of us here don't have. But it's a wonderful thing that he did. Um, and after, after looking at the, the Pharisees, Jesus makes this conclusion with great authority. He says, Pharisees are power mongers and they're bunny grabbers, that's what they are. He said that, uh, I'm just repeating the, the gospel story, he says their works were performed, their works are performed in public in order to be seen. Everything has to be seen because they want to be praised, not praise God, but they want to be praised. Because, well, they just to be honest with you, they feel like they're better than everybody else. You ever come across somebody like that? Oh, they think they're better than me, don't they? Well, that's where that's where these were. And uh, they really rolled it out, particularly when they were in public. Jesus talks about they had they had investments and things that they wore out in public. And, it was called the phylacteries, the things that they wore around their head that had scripture in them, the tassels on their, on their robes. Jesus said they like to make them long. They like to make their phylac- phylacteries very uh, beautiful, so that when people see them, they say, oh my gosh, look at that one. Boy, don't I wish, I wish I could be like them, but I can't. Boy, they are something else. Jesus didn't have kind words. As a matter of fact, he he turns right from there and he goes in and gives us what's called the seven woes. And they are woes, that's right. Woe to you. Um, That's one, one example of religious leadership. It's one reason Jesus came, because things needed to be renewed and revitalized. Things had gotten out of hand, and the people, instead of leading them to God, were leading them away from God. And that's what we find on the, the other end of the spectrum of this religious leadership, and that's Paul, Paul the apostle. Paul, uh, he was what you might call a missionary. Paul would take missionary journeys. He would, he would go, uh, what he would do is he would, he would go from one town or one village to the next. He would proclaim the gospel of Jesus. People would inevitably receive Jesus. They would be baptized. And then he would establish a church there, so that they can grow. And then he he'd go on to the next town. And he then he, after he'd done all that, he'd go back and report what had happened to the church in Jerusalem and Antioch. And then he'd go do it again. Well, the problem was sometimes when uh, when he was away, because they didn't have uh, you know internet and things like that, cell phones, uh, people would come in and try to discredit him. They tried to uh, or what you might call the pharisaic approach you know don't pay any attention to Paul so most every letter that Paul wrote what you'll find in the introduction is he always reminds them of what he was like when he was with them what I'm like do you remember what I was like when I was with you and then he'll go on and teach you what he's trying to do he's trying to reestablish his authority among them for them to remind themselves of just exactly who he is. And what does he say to the church at Thessalonica? Do you remember he said, I was as gentle with you as a nursing mother, humble, self-sacrificing, I prayed for you, I loved you, and I taught you God's word and I asked nothing in return. That's pretty powerful. Uh, It's quite a shift from the other from the other group when you when you realize Paul what Paul was saying is because what they would do is they'd accuse him. His accuser would say, "Well, he's doing this for the money. Easy money." Paul says, "If you remember, church, I worked my own job. I didn't. Nobody paid me nothing. Nobody gave you. I. You have no hold on that. Remember that." So what Paul has done now is he's established his credibility as a great person of God, as a great religious leader, as a shepherd of the people. So let me ask you a question. Here's two extremes you got. Which one would you prefer to have as your shepherd this morning? Anybody have to spend much time thinking about that? One that's sort of self-interested or one that's interested in you and loving you? That's a no-brainer question, isn't it? We would want the one, Paul, like Paul, because what did Paul do? He modeled the life of the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and that was Jesus. Now, to be sure, those are what you might call extremes, and priests, what we, will, what we want to do is follow the example of Paul, you know, in light of the, the, the testimony that Jesus established but if I had to say, when I was thinking about putting all these together, uh, some most priests today, like myself, fall somewhere in between those that spectrum. Hopefully not towards the Pharisees. I really don't want to do that. Hopefully not that way. But the other way, I think more people are heavily, it's more heavily weighted on the other end towards Paul. But uh, these verses, they always challenge me. I can't. When we get through these woes and stuff, by the time I've done that, it's really a cause for reflection. Well, what have you been like? What have you been like? What kind of priest have you been like before the people? And it's a a good way to reflect on where you are and what's going on. But here's what I've found. There's, There's a whole lot of good priests in this world. There really are religious leaders whose primary focus and purpose is to help the sheep find God and to shepherd them. And they want it to stay that way. So the question becomes then, you look at these two, two uh, extremities, and you think about everybody that's in between, what can we do to ensure that we have good religious leaders? That, are, that we, can, we as the sheep can follow. Well, it happens to be Vocations Awareness Week. And because of that, I want to give you a couple of things that you can do. Vocations is extremely, extremely important into the religious life, as well as all the many other different vocations. Two things. One is pray for existing priests. And we need to do that. The situation today is that there's a shortage of priests. You know that, you realize that. And priests are having to double up their responsibilities. And uh, what that means is that means doubling up on your load and your, and your stress that can uh, come along with that. See, what priests need is your prayers to keep going on. It sort of, it sort of reminds me of the war story. You know, we're, we're going to hold the fort until the new troops come. We've got to get some fresh troops in here. We're going to hold the fort. And that's what, that's what uh, people like me do. You know, I'm holding the fort uh, until, until we can get some fresh troops in here. And that's really important. So you need to pray for these priests, particularly those like myself who are getting older. I was thinking this morning, when I came here, I told you I had the energy of three people. That's cut in half now, (laughs) eight years later. Maybe one and a half if I'm lucky. But, uh, you know, we need some fresh troops, And I am encouraged. I will say that, that uh, next year we will have uh, five priests, new priests, being ordained into the priesthood. That's a wonderful thing. I really like what I see from Archbishop Fob, in that he's created an own office within, his, uh, within the diocese that focus, pu- focuses purely on priests, holy orders, and the religious life and helping us to grow and to serve in that area. So keep the prayers going. Pray for your priests. The second thing is to pray for religious vocations. That's really important too. Prayer is essential when it comes to religious vocations. Both of these, both of these interplay together in that their commonality is prayer. And uh, I came across something this year that really amazed me. I, I like to read the Bible a lot, and but sometimes I come across something that I've read several times and it's like, How'd you miss that? That's a pretty big thing. You missed it. Well, I missed one this year, and I, and, uh, I was thinking about it. And it had to do with Jesus talking to his disciples. They, they had gone, you know, he sent them out. He said, go into pairs of two, and go out and preach, and teach, and heal, and all these kinds. And they came back, and they were so excited. All the people loved it. Oh, it was great. What does Jesus do? He says, well, you need to pray for more laborers he says the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few Now, sometimes today we we put too much emphasis on surveys the churches are emptying out they're getting smaller and smaller let me tell you there is a spiritual renewal going on here I see it I feel it God is at work there are benefits sometimes to less less fortunate situations that we go through and we would not ask anyone to do that like covid but what we find is that people realize it helps them to awaken to become uh, awakened to become aware that life as we have it on earth doesn't work it has to include god god is so important in our relationship in the priority of life and we've seen that renewal over and over again we've seen it in the school over a hundred new students parents want their children to have they want them to have a catholic education i'm oh, i'm all for that uh, we we see it in the uh, rcia program this year with the largest we've had 21 people searching and i love to ask them what are you searching for god <laughs> you know and they're all ages this life, if you haven't figured it out yet, it doesn't work. If it's all about you, if it's purely about you and what you want, you know, it's sort of a Pharisaic tendency. It doesn't work. God is the key. And even here today, something that encourages me, there is a movement in this church, a great movement of what I would call young adults and middle-aged adults, in renewing their interest, their their energy, and their vitality to God. They are wakening up and they're recognizing it. Do you know they're sitting here this morning? I'm going to recognize them a little later on, not this week, but in a couple weeks. It's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing. Men and women. Men and women. There's a a men's group that uh, has been started. Several of them are sitting over there. I see some of you like our welcome group. It's, it's energized the men. Uh, another one is there's a fellowship group that's starting. They have like 50 to 60 men just come together for fellowship. Do you, do you sense that hunger? See, that's, that's what people are looking for today. That's what they're looking for today. The harvest is plentiful. There's no problem with the harvest. It's the laborers. That's the problem. Not enough laborers. And what does Jesus say? Well, what do we do? We pray. Pray for more laborers. We pray to the Lord of the harvest for more laborers. Because the the Lord of the harvest will call, will go out through the power of the Holy Spirit and enlist those whom he has chosen to become part of holy orders and religious men and women. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And he says, do it earnestly. What does that mean? It means we have to be persistent about it. We have to persevere. We have to, earnest means very focused, endure in order that this can take place. It does, your prayers do make a difference. God bless all of you and I love you.